0: to the 37th episode of the epigenetics podcast. My name is Stefan and I'm part of the technical support and marketing team of Active Motiv. Our special guests for this episode are Sandra Atlante and Carlo Gaetano from the Instituti Clinici Scientifici Mogheri in Pavia, Italy. And I'm happy to talk to you now. Thank you Carlo and Sandra for joining me today. Usually, I introduce our guests, but this time I want to mix it up a little and give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, maybe Carlo, you can go first.
1: Now, uh, the point is this: uh, the Laboratory of Epigenetics in this institution, which is is a large network of hospitals. They are about eighteen different uh, hospitals uh, all over the Italian country, from now north to south. And uh, this uh, uh, network of hospital is devoted to uh, rehabilitation medicine, uh, not only, but mostly rehabilitation medicine. And to do so, they uh, see uh, principally uh, older people. Uh, Really, uh, the average age here for patients is uh, 68 years that's average age Uh, this um, aspect is relevant for the uh, current COVID-19 pandemic because the uh, uh, most risky population is exactly in that uh, age so uh, we see many, uh, many COVID patients now. Uh, it started uh, with the first wave, in which uh, we had uh, more than, more than mm, between three, three, two to three dozens uh, different uh, patients hospitalised, and now we are. Uh, not arrived to the same numbers, but uh, I can say that the number is increasing.
0: Just to say we are on the 25th Uh, of November, so uh, right in the kind of second second wave of of, uh, COVID-19 here in Europe.
1: uh, Yeah, we started to uh, hospitalize patients since about the end of October, And uh, I think that now we are approaching to the first 100. But one one thing I have to say is that we are uh, um, a second-level hospital. We have no, um, uh, uh, how to say, um, there are other hospitals. Around and uh, uh, they are the first uh, uh, for the first front. Uh, when they are uh, essentially uh, full, they start sending patients to us. So uh, this is this is probably the number of patients at the moment hospitalized is much higher, and they are coming here now because the other hospitals are a- already full now uh to go more specifically into uh, uh our activities um this institution which is located in uh, uh, a, a relatively small city uh, called the Pavia which is in the north part of Italy in the uh, Lombardy uh, region um, this institute is uh, uh belong to Uh, and a number of other hospitals uh, which are recognized by the Italian government as uh, uh, research research excellence centers. And uh, uh, for this reason, uh, uh, this hospital, uh, they must have a very high standard of care, and they must do scientific research, either basic research as well as clinical or translational research okay uh, about two years ago uh, this institute decided to open uh, an epigenetic laboratory at that time i was at the university of frankfurt in italy uh, I. Uh, Uh, Sandra, Atlante, uh, and me, at that time, we were there uh, in Germany. And this was uh, a good occasion to open a new lab in Italy. So we moved to Pavia. Um, So it's mm, approximately two years that uh, this lab started uh, working. Uh, The interest of the Laboratory of Epigenetics at the Maugeri Foundation is about applied epigenetics, Uh, so we work strictly um, in contact with the clinic. Uh, We collect samples from the clinic and we uh, analyze them in association with specific uh, diseases or uh, clinical questions Uh, we as i said we are relatively young as a lab and so uh, there are not so many uh, publications already coming from here Uh, however uh, we were able to uh, open um, uh, at least Mm, two uh, important research lines at the moment. um, They are uh, funded by external sources, uh, and uh, they are specifically uh, focused on breast cancer, uh, one, uh, and Sandra is uh, uh, the person in charge for this research line. Which is uh, uh, associated to the identification and characterization of novel small molecules uh, to control um, uh, immune response to cancer cells. Okay, so an epigenetic way to modulate immune response uh, against uh, triple-negative uh, breast cancers. Uh, a, a second uh, research line is uh, related to uh, senescence, cellular senescence, and the identification of other types of small or other type of mo- small molecules that may uh, target uh, senescent cells. And uh, this is a new developing field, uh, uh, which is known as uh, uh, senolytics research. And we are deeply involved in identification of new uh, senolytics. And this, we did this. We already identified some molecules relevant in this direction. And now we are in contact with biotech companies uh, interested in this field, so uh, in few minutes I summarized uh, uh, what we're doing. But in the middle of these things uh, arrived the COVID nineteen pandemic, so uh, we uh, decide to give a look to, uh, and this is why we uh, we wrote that article. Uh, in an attempt of uh, give to ourselves and to the readers the chance to um, put together informations about the epigenetic aspect associated with COVID nineteen. Uh, of course, uh, there is in literature much more of what we uh, uh, summarize in, in in the article, but. From that article and other similar articles, uh, the reader can really uh, have an idea of what's going on in, in the field. Uh, we are collecting samples at the moment from COVID and post-COVID patients. But I cannot say we have done uh, uh, very much yet with that with, with those samples. We, We are collecting because it's important to reach a number. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, uh, whatever results you get doesn't have very meaning. I I can see in literature, many reports published with 10, 10 samples, 10 cases. I really don't know what to say about that uh, at the relevance of that. But by the way,
0: how many samples are you looking for? So how many samples do you want to, to get?
1: Well, I can translate from uh, uh, other things we did in in, in uh, previous occasions uh, in other places so even here. Uh, to have a statistically relevant uh, meaning, you need to collect hundreds of samples. This is the uh, reality, in, in my opinion. Because when you work with. Um, Cellular models or uh, inbred animal models, uh, the variability is very, very low. And so your results are quite reproducible. Uh, When you work with uh, human samples, as everybody knows, the variability is much, much higher. So to get uh, something which may be uh, of an impact. Uh, numbers must be much higher. Um, We have some uh, experience, uh, some previous experience in, uh, uh, we did some uh, research uh, for many years in the cardiovascular field. And uh, I can tell that uh, clinical relevant uh, cohorts uh, must start from, More than 100, I I would say, but even more, even thousands. So maybe that in the case of COVID, uh, uh, I understand that people need to uh, accelerate discovery. This is why they put out their observations as soon as they can. I understand that. However, uh, in the distance, um, I have doubts about the... Uh, a real uh, impact that this observation made with relatively small number of samples, uh, what, what the impact can be, I, I, I don't know. But by the way, this is, this is not a, a, a real criticism. I understand the importance uh, when someone has uh, some uh, information that can be clinically relevo- relevant. Then uh, uh, we will see at the distance uh, what may happen.
0: But before we come to By to, the way, to, to that um, review, um, what what can you maybe share some ideas you have what you want to analyze in those patient samples? So what kind of experiments do you want to do and what kind of factors well, are you looking at?
1: Uh,
0: I mean, it's not published yet, but maybe you can share some some. Insight.
1: No, no, no. It's a very simple idea. Um, we know that... Um, well, essentially, we try to put together uh, these samples for. Uh, uh, they come from already aged people, okay? Because the at the moment, at least in Europe, uh, the um, uh, so-called aged age is sixty-five. So, all uh, these these samples, which are from. Um, Patient at risk for COVID nineteen. They uh, come from patients which are distributed between fifty and eighty. Okay, so uh, we are trying to put the uh, COVID nineteen infection together with the all marks of aging. This is uh, the concept which is important here. And in particular, we are uh, trying to explore whether COVID-19 infection may have an impact on the so-called biological clock, which is the uh, potential discrepancy between uh, biological age and chronological age, and whether uh, the infection has any inference uh, let's say accelerating or uh, not accelerating the biological age compared to chronological age and try and in the case this may happen, try to understand whether it is associated to the uh, expression of uh, let's say covenant receptors uh, there, is, there are more than one receptors of co- uh, as everybody knows. Uh, and uh, possibly uh, the uh, presence of other hallmarks, such as the uh, inflammatory cytokines. So, the what what we would like to uh, understand uh, primarily is whether the um, uh, whether the SARS-CoV-2 virus has an impact on biological age and how other hallmarks of aging may change according to this observation, including IL-6 expression. But this is more more relevant for post-COVID patients. So we would like to explore whether there is um, some sort of a consequence uh, in, in post-COVID patients whether they are aged more and more rapidly after COVID-19.
0: So whether there is an accelerated aging. That's, yes. Yeah. So maybe we yeah. can come a little bit more general to the coronavirus infection, the COVID-19, and maybe Sandra can also uh, <laughs> say something about that. Uh, so maybe we can go briefly over the uh, what kind of viruses the, the, this coronavirus is and how the infection uh, works in general.
1: Well, uh, Sandra probably may say also something because she's the person that wrote that review <laughs> article. But uh, as a, um, this is just a sort of general information, the uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus recognizes that as as the the important thing, the important concept to 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 me uh, to say is that. Um, the uh, receptor for uh, one of the receptor for uh, the uh, SARS viruses is, is this ACE two uh, protein, uh, which is normally physiologically present in in the vascular system, in the in the lungs, and uh, other organs. Uh, however, there is also another receptor, which is uh, called uh, DPP4. And DPP4 is the uh, receptor mostly used by the MERS virus, which is a variant of of, uh, these uh, respiratory syndrome viruses. Uh, DPP4, for instance, has been recently associated to uh, senescence and aging. Uh, and uh, it has been demonstrated, at least in animal models, that DPP4 increases expression in, in aged animals compared to young younger animals. Um, there are no reports about humans. And we have tried to understand whether or not there is any variation in DPP4 expression in our samples. Um, maybe, maybe not. We will see. However, uh, these are uh, uh, important aspects to consider. One of the reasons why the infection is particularly aggressive in older people definitely is the presence of other diseases, uh, typically of the age, uh, generally speaking the so-called chronic diseases, which are always associated with uh, aged uh, patients. Uh, However, it also may be that uh, the presence uh, also may be this aggressiveness associated with the presence more abundant receptors. Uh, This is unclear uh, at the moment. I also think that it would be very important to have uh, a pharmacological approach that modulate the association of the virus with the, the receptors, and this can be of epigenetic interest because there are, uh, it is already known that there are uh, epigenetic molecules that may change protein stability and modulate the uh, expression of specific uh, uh, targets. Um, There is no evidence at the moment for COVID-19 infection uh, in this direction about modulating stability of receptors or viral proteins that are important for the uh, viral assembly, for instance. And uh, uh, also uh, viral binding uh, to the receptors. It is true that probably a, a very important uh, uh, amelioration will come from the vaccine. Uh, this is undoubted uh, uh, and uh, it is uh, definitely true. Uh, however, as for every other virus, there always will be uh, uh, the uh, necessity of uh, um, other treatments to be available, monoclonal antibodies or or, uh, small molecules, because you will dramatically reduce the number of people that will be uh, infected. But uh, as for uh, Influenza virus, you probably always will have some uh, uh, cases of infections. Uh, and so, for in, in that case, yeah, I, I think that would be very important to look for uh, uh, drugs able to interfere with the uh, viral uh, infection, entry into the cells, or replication. Uh, when you when, when the virus is inside, and uh, I believe that epigenetics can really do uh, important uh, uh, provide impo- Im- important uh, observations in this direction. Uh, one evidence that uh, uh, captured my uh, attention was uh, the report that uh, viral uh, proteins. Um, are uh, have been uh, observed as associated with um, the acetylases, for instance. Uh, there is one uh, report that says that um, HTAC2 may uh, associate with some uh, uh, viral non-structural uh, proteins. So those proteins important for... Uh, uh, viral replication, but that do not contribute to the uh, formation of the uh, new viral uh, particle. But they are more involved in uh, the RNA replication. And uh, uh, one observation that uh, came to my attention, uh, as I said, was that hs 2 is involved with the uh, protein called uh, RSP5, if I uh, remember correctly, uh, which is, I think, uh, RNAs, uh, polymerase, something like that. Uh, um, by the way, uh, HDAC2 is a, a well-known druggable target. And uh, um, many of the already available HDAC inhibitors uh, uh already available for human therapy uh maybe uh can do something in 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 uh, uh slowing down i don't say completely abolish but at least slowing down the viral replication i have no uh knowledge that um Anybody uh, tested uh, this uh, hypothesis. But there is another interesting uh, report uh, that nitric oxide uh, seems to, um, nitric oxide donors, uh, uh, seems to uh, interfere with viral replication. This observation comes from uh, University of Uppsala in Sweden Uh, And a few days ago, uh, I found a a clinical, I found a report of a clinical study, I think that I wrote a note, uh, from uh, Melissa Baldwin. Uh, She published it on the British Journal of Anesthesia, the observation that uh, in Inhaled nitric oxide, so the gas, uh, do provide some sort of uh, positive contribution to respiration in uh, 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 um, COVID patients, and particularly those with severe symptoms. Okay, uh, I have to say that uh, nitric oxide. Blocks H2 function. This has been reported by several groups, uh, including my group uh, years ago, but other 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 groups from MRC in London uh, uh, they also have similar observations. So, nitric oxide uh, by a, a chemical process known as nitrosylation. Uh, reduces or abolish H2 function. Uh, I don't know whether uh, this may contribute to uh, the positive results that Melissa Baldwin reported. Uh, however, uh, definitely we know that uh, H2 function is uh, diminished in the presence of uh, natic oxide donor. And uh, this op- open a question to me, uh, a question that I think that um, could be tested relatively easily.
0: So maybe I can, can uh, ask uh, Sandra, but because um, the virus, I mean, we now have heard that it enters the cell via those ACE2 receptors and this DPP4, I think I, I understood correctly and then it it has an rna genome so it needs to use like cellular elements to to um, to make more of itself and to to infect the the virus Uh, what kind of epigenetic mechanisms are at stake here so what kind of uh, influences do you see there yeah um, so uh, the review uh, was uh, mainly based uh,
2: on the literature uh, that uh, uh, studied the, the previous uh, uh, coronavirus uh, or uh, other virus. what we were uh, thinking is that uh, these uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, can be also uh, exploiting uh, the same mechanism uh, therefore uh, um, as we highlighted in the in the review um, HDAC uh, or also histone transferases, uh, DNA methylases, uh, and D methylases may be a uh, target uh, for a, a drug, uh, a small molecule uh, uh, drug uh, that can modulate uh, uh, the activity of this enzyme because many groups uh, uh, um, have uh, um, um, observed. Uh, uh, in, in interference in the, the um, uh, modification of, of histones uh, uh, and DNA, but also RNA methylation. Therefore, uh, the idea of this uh, uh, review article was to um, highlight the, uh, the attention to, uh, enhance the attention on this uh, epigenetic mechanism Uh, In order to uh, also um, uh, promote uh, the um, uh, researchers' attention on uh, uh, the uh, small molecules that are already available, uh, many of them are FDA-approved, and uh, to repurpose them as uh, co-adjuvant, for instance, for uh, um, an... uh, um, COVID uh, treatment. Um, uh, as we said uh, on, on our article, uh, until now, I checked this morning uh, to be sure, uh, the only um, um, so there are few clinical trials uh, that are exploiting the epigenetic uh, mechanism, uh, but only the cetabine, uh, that is a DNA methyltransferase inhibitor, uh, has been uh, uh, under uh, investigation. And uh, um, there is one clinical trial that, it is, that uh, it's using uh, valproic acid that is also um, um, an h inhibitor uh, among these uh, 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 effects. And uh, um, we have uh, uh, then only a few studies that are uh, focusing on uh, nitric oxide, for instance, or uh, uh, vitamins. And uh, I would say uh, vitamin C and vitamin D are uh, also important uh, epigenetic uh, um, tools. They have uh, uh, um, effects on the activity, uh, for instance, of uh, uh, met- demethylases histone and DNA demethylases. They can announce the activity of uh, this enzyme. So, um, yeah, to summarize, uh, I think it is important to also take in consideration the epigenetic uh, uh, drugs uh, for the treatment of, uh, if not the uh, SARS CoV 2, but uh, at least of the uh, symptomatology uh, of this. Uh, uh, disease.
0: Um, so the the coronavirus has an RNA genome, as we already said, so it might be obvious that um, yeah, this could also show like association with RNA modifications. Um, what can you say about those modifications?
2: Uh, yeah, um, I have to say um, most of the, the literature that I read uh, is focusing on the os epigenome uh, response to the virus so, about the uh, SARS-CoV-2,
0: um, I... Yeah, I mean, um, also, like, also, also uh, modifications on the host uh, are important here, right? Yeah. Because that's what what uh, it's infecting. Yeah.
1: No, the, the modification in the host uh, has an impact on the immune system response and the regulation of inflammatory cytokines. And all these viruses uh, uh, has been already reported since the first SARS uh, infection that uh, they modulate the, uh, they increase its expression in from other side of and decrease the expression of uh, interferons that those interferons that are involved in the activation of the immune system against viruses. And this occurs, through epigenetic mechanisms. Uh, It seems that polycomb, uh, the the polycomb complex uh, is involved and is activated by the viral infection by a mechanism which is unclear that may involve some map kinase signaling as always uh, in these cases. And so we have an increase in Lies in, uh, uh, in 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 the eastern H3K27 methylation that represses uh, the good genes expression and uh, enhances the bad gene expression. Those inflammatory cytokines. However, it I think that it must be said that the um, viral RNA. Uh, Methylation in in the uh, adenosine-6 may be important for the stability of the viral uh, RNA. And uh, there are evidences that this uh, viral RNA is uh, heavily methylated. Increased Uh, stability. Yeah, possibly. Changes the stability, stabilize the RNA, or what, what may be interesting, and nobody knows the answer, I believe, is what may happen when you uh, activate uh, those intracellular mechanisms uh, uh, devoted to uh, demethylation. Because uh, uh, to a certain degree, DNA, RNA, they share similar mechanism of uh, demethylation. Let's say proteins, they work o- on DNA, but also on RNA. So uh, this is an open question, I think, whether or not uh, the those demethylation mechanisms uh, uh, already known uh, involved in uh, the control of DNA methylation, they may also contribute to reducing stability of the viral RNA. Uh, there are already some molecules that modulate test activity that have been published. Uh, so uh, I am not a- aware about reports in which this molecule have been tested against the uh, coronavirus. Uh, I must say that to do these experiments is not so easy and uh, uh, to work with the um, coronavirus responsible of COVID-19 requires uh, uh, facilities that are not always uh, available to normal uh, laboratories. Uh, this may delay the uh, research in, in in the direction uh i i, I can say if i want to do this experiment i cannot do it here i must okay. go in another place we have no the level three facility
0: available um so you were also mentioning the cytokine storm and uh uh, is there any difference in the cytokine storm between young and aged persons? You are working on on like uh, older patients mainly, and is there any way of modulating the cytokine storm? With it?
1: I was saying that to into my point of view, the major difference is about the is is the fact that older people they already have a higher background in inflammatory cytokines. So we start from we start from uh, a biological system in which uh, the which is uh, physiologically prone or programmed to produce inflammatory cytokines. This is the the bottom line. But this is has been already demonstrated many years ago and and without any association with the COVID-19 infection, uh, of course, uh, uh, is a a common evidence that elderly people, they have a a, a basal level in the blood uh, of IL-6 or IL-1, which is higher than younger people. And this occurs uh, uh, physiologically by In association with the aging process, Uh, there are reports from the um, National Institute on Aging in in Baltimore, Uh, they studied uh, uh, hundreds of uh, uh, aged uh, persons and found clearly an association with a much higher level of IL-6. And IL-6 is one of the most important product coming out from senescent cells. Uh, when uh, uh, your cells, uh, even, in an, even an experimental model of senescence, when you have cells growing in your incubator and you keep them passaging or you irradiate them, or uh, you do whatever you want to get them uh, to senesce, uh, uh, they start making IL6, and this is associated with the uh, senescence process. So,
0: this is the senescent associated secretory phenotype, right?
1: It's part of it. It's part of it. Yes, the uh, senescent associated secretory phenotype is much more uh, complicated than that, but uh, the bottom line is that uh, a number of inflammatory cytokines are produced by uh, senescent cells. So, in my point of view, probably is too um, simplistic, but... um, in my, in my view, uh, this is the major difference between young and old people. Uh, old people are uh, already uh, prone to synthesize inflammatory cytokines much more than younger. Okay. Whatever the virus does to younger people, definitely the results is that much lower production of, sen- of senescence-associated cytokines or inflammatory mm-hmm. cytokines, which is the same. Yeah but in in older people uh senescent, senescent cells they are already active they are already synthesizing cytokines and uh, the presence of the virus uh, uh does not do anything new but intensifies the a uh, process which is already in place
0: okay so I've reached the end of my question, Sandra, do you have anything to add that we might have missed uh, during this interview?
2: The, maybe the importance on increasing the study of uh, uh, the epigenetic uh, landscape uh, on coronavirus. Uh, I think that uh, epigenetic as a new field uh, is a little bit uh, still uh, um, slow. Uh, and uh, maybe if, uh, we need a little bit to uh, uh, invest uh, in epigenetic uh, uh, um, exploration.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, what we know now is like derived from the first SARS coronavirus and the MERS virus, and I mean, the virus is now virus is now in the world for maybe eleven months or twelve months, one year roughly. So I think um, studies on the new coronavirus still needs to be done, right? so
1: And the study on the next new coronavirus <laughs>
0: and the next, the next
1: the next new coronavirus
0: <laughs> So so you think, think that there will be much more uh, coronaviruses in the future.
1: I think that this is a natural process, and uh, uh, as for other viruses, so this virus is not different from other viruses in 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 the way, uh, maybe more aggressive, but generally speaking, I think it's just a virus as many others. So uh, I think why why should be different? So uh, it the, this is the third. Uh, type of virus like SARS, MERS. This is the SARS-2. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't think to say anything special, uh, but I believe that we'll we'll have more uh, variations in the future. More, so more
0: variations. Do you think that this coronavirus will mutate and make it so that it's more infectious or is it like good as it is?
1: very difficult to say. I think that the the, the problem is the uh, escape from uh, the immune system. That's the real problem. It's it's not more or less infection capacity. Uh, I think that the the real problem is whether or not the uh, uh, possible mutation may Reduce the uh, capacity of immune system to recon- recognize the virus. So this is relevant uh, for vaccines, but this is what happened with influenza virus. This is this is the reason why we need uh, a new vaccine about each year, because the combination of, of the the variation of the antigens for influenza virus, they reduce the capacity of the immune system to recognize the virus. So I don't think that this virus is very much different from the others. So we, we will see. But the prob- the problem is not to have a more aggressive virus. The problem is whether or not the immune system will recognize the
0: virus. Okay. So I think that's a good uh, finishing point of the interviews. Thank you, Carlo and Sandra, for being part of the show. And thank you for your time.
1: Thanks to you for uh, asking us. uh...
0: This was the 37th episode of the Epigenetics podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We are happy to receive your feedback on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. We will read all your reviews and comments and give you a shout out on a future episode. If you have any further questions, you can also reach me at podcast at activenotif.com. For more great epigenetics content, check out the Motif blog, motivations at activenotif.com slash blog. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.